The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Dennis Bazookia making Albania, making Staten Island, making his team proud. I knew 15 minutes of hell, everything I had to be a UFC fighter for eternity. That's it. Dennis Bazookia! Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Today we have Dennis Bazooka, who I know Matt is very happy to talk to, fighting Jamal Emmers this Saturday night. What a great card is this Saturday. We also have Adam Carolla, uh, just a masterful broadcaster. Uh, one of the biggest podcasters on earth. Uh, he'll also be coming on. I love Adam. He's a really great interview. And he, and he took boxing too, so he knows how to fight. He's a comedian. Uh, uh, yeah, he is very funny. He's a really naturally good talker. And he's a funny stand-up. When he does stand-up, he's very, he's very naturally funny. Um, Bazook is my guy. And Jimmy, I got your text. Yes. I have a question I- for you. You did a video. It was in your, and I think I liked it, but with a story, they disappear. Yeah. So I, I couldn't find it where you were on top of somebody. I don't know if you were inside control or mount and you were doing a Kimura from the top, but you weren't swinging your leg over. It looked like your head. Are you sure it wasn't a, a bread cutter? Are you sure? I thought I heard Kimura, but I might be wrong. I thought maybe you referenced a Kimura, but it wasn't. Maybe you were referenced. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. I'm going to send it to you after. Okay, because okay. I was asking Mike about. I thought it was a. What was it? A Kimura or no? No, I believe when I'm when I was in side control, I threatened a Kimura, and they pulled the arm out. I put my arm on the floor and I turn it palm up, four fingers in the collar. I come around, I get you in a bread cutter, which is a, a choke. Yeah, I don't remember what it was, but you you did yeah. the the spider walk of the uh the, like that's why I thought it was a head and arm because you you did the walk of getting the arm over his head like that. Jimmy. I'm going to have, that's what I love about jujitsu, but you'd have to show me or else let me, I'll send you a couple things after. If you could but, yeah, check your videos because you probably, do you save them to your phone after you put them? Oh, I, I always, well, if I put that on my story, it has to be in there, but okay. I love that you're having jujitsu questions for me. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I get to text Matt Sarah, a jujitsu question. Who, how many guys can do that? When you, when you texted that, I was literally 10 minutes away from teaching the noon class. So 20 minutes away. It was a little, so I tried to call you and you did oh. Well, I was in class. I was Mike. I told Mike about it. I said, I said, Matt did this thing that I really wanted to learn what it was because it looked uh, very interesting. And you, 
And he goes, uh, oh, he goes, what was it? I tried to describe it. He goes, well, how, was it an Americano? Like, I couldn't describe it well enough for him to know exactly what it was. I'm going to send you a couple of uh, videos after, and I think you're going to have, you're going to pick the right one. Thank you. Um, I believe, I'm not sure, but I believe we have young warrior, Dennis Bazooka. Yes, we do. The great. Yo, the great. Let's get him. I can't wait. This is going to be his first UFC fight with a full camp. You oh, know? okay. Yeah. Bro, you know that because he took a lot. He, he had to, he had some nice fights on the contender series. Yep. Uh, and then he, he took a fight on short notice. He lost, but you decision, know, yeah, decision. Uh, but you know, now uh, we're gonna see Dennis on a full camp. Let me ask so, you, how long has he been with? Yeah, bring him in, uh, Jake, because I've been hearing Dennis's name for so long through guy, you. He, he could model if, if his fighting shit don't work out, Jimmy. <laughs> I didn't have anything to fall back on. I couldn't be a model. Sure, you could. I look like a penis. Like, I look like this, like, draw something <laughs> on top of my head. I look like a, a stubby cock. <laughs> sorry. But Dennis, sorry, Bazooka. Bazooka, <laughs> you know, look at this guy. Bazooka, say hello, man. Good to see you. <laughs> sorry. What's up, Coach? And great to see you. I'm so honored to be on here. Thank you. I Man, I'm so happy to have you on. And uh, Jimmy, have you ever met Dennis before? I don't think we've met in person. Um, but again, Dennis, I've been hearing your name for so long because of Matt. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he only has a couple of UFC fights. But I've been hearing about how long have you guys been together? Uh, 2019, I came to the gym. Okay, yeah. So I've been hearing about you for almost five years now or four, four and a half years. Um, Dennis did not cut any corners to get to that cool table. He was – he sat in class. And not and Jimmy, you know, you're from the East Coast. He used to, before Raging Al took him under his wing and had him dorming at his fucking madhouse back in the day, he – um. <laughs> He would just drive from Staten Island to oh. Long Island. And not only was he at Sarah BJJ, he was there and over at Law. And he was just a he was just a he did not cut any corners. He'd come, he put his gi on. I don't know if the shit might be collecting dust now, but he definitely <laughs> but uh he, he put that gi on, he was in class, he didn't try to get ahead because he wanted to make this his life. And I'll tell you, I'm very happy. That uh, he came through all doors because he came. He could have went anywhere. He's very talented, this kid. Thank you, yeah. coach. That means a lot coming from you. Wait, where else were you, Dennis? I'm sorry, man. I didn't hear you said he was at Everett. What, what was the other place you said? Everett, Mount Everett. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. You <laughs> said, said he was. He's from, I'm sorry, he's from Staten Island. Right, but you said he would be in class. Were you going to school at the same time? I was actually, yeah. But um, I was going to. I was training at law MMA also. Law. Oh, law. Okay, I heard law. That's right. Okay. And law is the furthest thing from a law school, trust me. Yeah, I just I kind of kind of half caught what you said. Um, and so how often were you going, and how long did it take you to drive? Because that West Shore Expressway, the Staten Island Express, like there's very few things as angering as those roads. Um, so how long would it take you to get to class, and how often were you going? So at the time, I was working construction and in school and training. So I would wake up at 5 every day, go work. Finish work three thirty four, and then drive an hour and a half to uh, to law every day. Wow. Yeah, it was a, it was a long, and then I would get home at like ten eleven p.m. from from Long Island to Staten Island, sleep five hours, you know, shower, eat, sleep, and everything, and then start it all again the next day. I did that for like two years, and then I finally moved out here. How long did you do it before you were able to get rid of your day job? Um. Yeah, two years. Two years. Oh. I just saved up a bunch of money. And then but I've been working since I was 13. 
and just always saving money and just always been like that. And then I started construction. I'm sorry, my cat's like, keep That's okay. attention. <laughs> and then uh, I finally just decided I'm going to do this full time and dedicate my life to it when I was 20, when I was 20. What was it like that first day waking up? Like when you're, when your day job is gone and you're like, wow, this is now my life. Like that day job is gone. Do you remember that feeling of, of just waking up and going, I'm in it. And this is, this is really what I'm doing. Yeah, it was kind of hard to adjust in the beginning because I was young, you know, I left like my parents and everything. Um, but it was like a little bit of relief, but I just took that energy and put it into training. I was like, I'm going to just, as tired as I was, I'm going to just be the same tired as, as I was from training and just keep pushing through it. I think it's important, even if it's for a little bit, for a fighter to experience a real job. Yes. Man that'll scare you into getting up and fucking getting your rope working. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I would see like the old guys, I would see the old guys like doing like lifting the cinder blocks and stuff. I'm like, man, I don't want to do this when I'm 50. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I'm not shitting on the working man. Cause I get it, man. You got to do what you got to do. But that, that is, I thank God every day that they made fighting a sport. <laughs> because man, I'd be fucked in life. But I mean, <laughs> we are so lucky to be able to do what we love. Jimmy, you too with comedy. Don't yeah. you guys ever think like, man, I mean, I even when I'm just teaching, like back even before I was in the UFC, just doing the martial arts, I'm like, man, if I could just do this and not have a real job, I am so winning in life. <laughs> so I exceeded my dreams. But don't you feel like that, Jimmy? Even a comedian All who's the time. a well-known comedian like yourself who does enough to pay the bills, that guy's fucking winning, don't you think? If you told me when I was 18 or 19 that I'd be where I am today in my life and still complain, I would have slapped myself in the face. Like, <laughs> I have nothing to complain about. But the day jobs, like what Dennis is talking about, those day jobs are so important because they make you do something you don't want to do. And when you're adjusted to doing things you don't want to do, now if I don't feel like doing a gig, I make myself go. If you don't feel like training, you can't just fucking stay home. You have to train whether you want to or not. And I think that's the value of those jobs is they teach you to do things that you don't want to do because, because you have to do them. You know what I mean? I feel so. What do you think? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I used to hate waking up, especially like it would be so it would be freezing and the cinder blocks were frozen and my toes would be frozen. And I'm like, man, I really don't want to be out here in the snow, freezing cold, picking up cinder blocks and mixing cement, but it made me mentally tough. So I'm grateful for it. Yeah, and it does make you grateful, and you're like, you know what? No matter how hard this is, that's a harder way to make a living. Getting up at 5 in the morning in the winter and doing construction is a fucking hard way to make a living. Yeah, and now I'm fighting at MSG, living my dream, so I really can't complain. In fighting at yeah. MSG. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you, Dennis. Now, not only is that exciting, but you're on the – there's something to be said – when you're going to battle and you got guys to your left, to your right, going to battle with you. We got Nazim, we got Naz fighting, and we also have Matt Favola fighting. So I know when I won the title, and Jimmy always brings that up, but Jimmy, there's a reason why I bring it up. All right. <laughs> I had Lou Cuomo and Pete Drago selling that same card with me. And it just felt like we were just like, yeah, fuck every, fuck everybody, fuck some dicks, fuck you all. We were just, we were ready. So how does it feel? Not only you're fighting, but you're rolling up with your with your fucking New York based crew with you at MSG. 
Yeah, I feel like it's us against the world, man. Like even even though it's one on one in there, it feels like it's my opponent against all of us, the whole team, all of New York. And then me, Nas, and Favola, we've been sweating and stressed and killing each other all camp. It's just like we're sharing all the same emotions and it just builds so much strength to all of it, man. It's like it's us against the world, I swear. And have you been to events at MSG? I'm sure you have. Do you remember your first MSG event? My or, first or concert, MSG whatever it was. I think, honestly, it might have been uh, the night Weidman was there, one of the Weidman fights. It wasn't the first UFC event, but it was one of those. But I always... I always grew up around MSG and I always remember as a kid because I grew up in the boroughs. So I would always dream like, man, one day I want to do something here before I even was like a fighter. And uh, now dreams come true. Yeah, there is something about Madison Square Garden. It's just it's the it's I guess it's the most famous arena. Uh, and to know that you're fighting in your own backyard. Now, are you looking forward to this in the sense because you're going to have probably family there and friends there? I like being out of town when I work because I, I don't like being bothered with people and fucking tickets. Or are you psyched that everybody's coming? I love it. I love the energy. I love the people there. Like the, the ones that really care, the ones that are close to me. Uh, I just love the energy from everything. And then New York, like, it's like, I just, it's like, they're all rooting for me in a way. You know, I, I really, I love this so much. You do. Yeah. And uh, what are you expecting out of Jamal Emers? I mean, he, you know, he's a good fighter. He's, he's, he's a, you know, very seasoned fighter. Uh, what are you expecting him? How do you think he's going to want to combat you? I think, I mean, I don't think he'd want to stand in the, in the pocket with me and trade with me. I think he's going to come out a little bit patient moving around, or he might come out and try to pressure me and try to break me. I really don't know how he's going to come out, to be honest, because I've seen different fights where he came out different ways, but I'm just ready for a 15-minute back-and-forth war. And uh, I know if it comes down to one of us breaking, I'm going to break him first no matter what, because... Winning is the only option in my hometown. There's no, he's going to have to really kill me. I'll bite him if I have to, honestly. <laughs> I have to win this fight. So if it comes down to a 15 minute war, I'm ready for it. And you, um, Matt was mentioning earlier too that this is your first UFC fight with a full camp. It's tough <laughs> to come off. And, and your last fight, uh, how, how, how much, how short a notice was that fight? Four days. They called me I, Tuesday I, night. I mean, that's, it, it's, it's crazy. So how much better do you feel now knowing that you've had the full time and you're healthy and, and you did the full camp? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a different dentist just from that, just from that fight alone. Like I cut 22 pounds in those three days that I had to make weight. I went in there like exhausted, you know, no time to prepare, nothing. And I still went bell to bell with a really tough opponent, Woodson, who's 6'3", yeah. and he's really good. Um, I just feel like I'm going to really show a completely different dentist and this is like my real introduction to the world, I feel like, my real proper debut. And when you lose a fight like that, like it's a decision fight, again, it was a good fight, and you know you're coming off four days on a huge weight cut. I mean, even though it's a loss, it's still got to give you some confidence to know, like, this is what I'm doing with absolutely no camp whatsoever and a tough weight cut that I wasn't expecting to have to do. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that, that's a big part of my confidence going into this fight comes from that. Like, Woodson was a really tough opponent that nobody wanted to fight. And I went in there bell to bell. And now with the full camp, I'm here and prepared mentally, physically, in every way possible. And it's just going to be a different dentist in there. And I really, I do think I'm going to finish Emers. I really do believe that. Okay. And I'm sure, like, and he has a great family, Dennis. I, I love his family, his parents, everybody. They're very supportive. So they have to be over the moon. They, they I'm sure they're counting the days. They got to be excited about this, Dennis. Because yeah. they're always there. Right. Uh, today today was actually my brother's birthday um he said 
he's like, I don't even want to do anything. I just want Dennis to win his fight. And after the fight, we'll like celebrate the birthday and the win. He's like, I just want Dennis to win. So that's like, it just means so much to me. You know, he, like they put them, they put me before themselves. It's so good. Now, yeah. a lot of people come through our doors over at uh, both, you know, both my school, Longo school, the whole Cerro Longo team. How did it, how did it feel like that? Like, like, I remember like Raging Al definitely took an interest in you. And next thing you know, I believe you were living at his house, right? You were living. You were, were, uh, how did it feel yeah. to get adopted by the team? How did Because, you know, people come and they go. Yes, you're super talented. But it's your personality, too. You're a really fucking good dude, Dennis. And I mean, I think, you know what I mean? But uh, out of all the schools, how did you how did you find us if you were in Staten Island? You just. Was it Raging Al? Was it fucking? How, how did you fucking? Who did you just what, knew we were the team in New York? I'm not trying to prop give ourselves props. Yeah, you were in Staten Island. Jimmy's like Jimmy. Jimmy no, it's Matt Sarah though. It's Matt. Yeah, come <laughs> no, on, Matt but Sarah. I'm trying to say you were in Staten Island. There's other schools. How did you end up with us? How did you end up making that trip? So when I decided, like, I really wanted to take this serious, um, I was asking everyone, like, where's the best camps around? And then it came down to really like the Saralongo team or Nick Catones. And I was like, man, I'm a New York guy. I want to stay with New York. I like like the crew that's there, you know, Weidman, Al, Aljo, you and uh, and Ray. And I was like, I'm going to just stick with that. And I didn't I, like I didn't mind making the drive because I was driving to construction anyway, sitting in traffic. I'm like, I'll do the same thing anyways, doing what I love with people that I feel like I can relate to. And uh, that's what happened. Yeah. I, and then I sent the email to, to the academy for like a free trial class and then Dan um, had reached out and he, he got me in. It's crazy hey, that you were... I was going to say, just like we planned. Very good. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> we didn't plan that question, Jimmy. Go. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> working construction. I'm just, I, again, I've done so many gigs on Long Island and I've driven through and it really, the one time I was on the LIE and the traffic was so bad. I remember I wanted to pull into the shoulder and just weep. I just wanted to cry <laughs> in the fucking shoulder. It was so terrible. And to think that you were doing that, what, three, four, five times a week to go out and train after construction. And you're not, this is not 10 in the morning. This is four in the afternoon when there's, it's shit, awful traffic. And that's real dedication. And the fact that you were able to make yourself go that far, anyone who thinks that's not a big deal has never been in this part of the country. That is a tremendous amount of travel every day in frustrating situations to get where you want to be. Yeah, I would I would wake up from Stan, go work. It was either Brooklyn or Queens, my job site. So I'd be on the Belt Parkway and after work, like it would take two hours sometimes to go. So I would have to and I would be so tired from construction. I would have to pull over and take a nap. And then I would, so many times state troopers came up to me like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm tired, man. Like, I just want to take a nap. And, uh, you know, I would rest 30, 40 minutes and then head back to head, continue on the road to training. But that traffic, man. Especially peak rush hour, which is when I would always go. It was the worst, worst, worst thing in the world. Did you ever think of taking the train just to save yourself the headache and sleep on the train? I looked it up, but it, it just would have been crazy. And then going back, I figured at least it's an open road late at night with no traffic. So it would have been quicker. And then plus, like, I have all my gear on me, my clothes from construction. Like, it was just too much to carry. Too much, yeah. All I know is... If I ever seen my little Jimmy, and we're very, we're very close. We did over seven hundred episodes, and we have. If I ever seen him crying on the side of the road, no questions asked. I go to my phone, I unfriend him, I get <laughs> real contact, and then I call the UFC. I go, "Hey guys, this shit's over." 
because he's a <laughs> pussy. I'll tell you but something. But anyway, Jimmy, I'm, I'm only joking. Uh, Matt, <laughs> I would take, and, and, and in that LIE traffic, I would take Jimmy, the I'm, toughest fighter. I'm sorry. Weidman, I don't care who it is. I know. It, 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 it breaks a man down. You just want to cry. You just want to pull into the shoulder and cry because the fucking you, people aren't moving. And Dennis doesn't, he's not going to, he's not going to really appreciate this yet. And I mean this in the best way possible because I didn't when I was his age. We get, you get more emotional when you get older. Speaking of crying in cars, there's a Machine Gun Kelly song about him to his daughter, about when he's gone. I can't, I can't make it through. I thought fucking mm. Jimmy. <laughs> That is, this is what I deal with. He's a fucking, he's a bully. He's a fucking bully. I'm glad, I'm glad you see that, Dennis. Everybody thinks Jimmy's a nice guy. All right, forget about me crying in my car. Bazooka, hey man, I am beyond psyched. You know, you always, you never, you're never in a boring fight. Yeah. And, uh, that's something that people say, but it fucking, it holds true with you. What is one thing that the people at home, they don't, they, you know, listen, we know you're an exciting fighter. We know you hang out with cool people. <laughs> what, what, give us a hobby that you like or something yes. you do that people might not know, like Jimmy. Jimmy might not know. I um honestly, I love like after training or in between fights, like just meeting up with friends and just going having coffees at coffee shops and just hanging out and talking. I'm old school, man. You like to kind of just relax and hang out with your friend, not in particular. You don't, you don't like when you're done working, you don't need a destination or goal, just someplace to go and kind of hang out and talk with no pressure and no necessarily a goal. Yeah. Just to socialize and laugh. Just that's what life's about. You know, just sharing experiences with friends. And I honestly, I love reading and I love really like talking to older people and like picking their brains and learning about their life. Cause everyone has a story, man. It's, it's amazing. So it's really these little things. I'm not, I'm not, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't party really. So it's like these little things. I love spending time with my family and just training. You know, this is my life. Training is my life because I love it so much. So besides that, that's really all I do. Dennis, uh, we have our next guest in the waiting room. That's why I was thumbs up Matt, just to let him know like, whenever oh, we, uh, I was just, yeah, yeah. Just so you know. Yeah. But uh, look, man, I, I'm really, really happy for you. I'm glad you got a full camp in. Can't wait for this fight. And, uh, you know, congratulations on making it to the UFC. And obviously they love what they saw in that first fight because you got this one. And uh, have a great fight at MSG, man. It's Enjoy enjoy it, man. Make sure you enjoy it. Thank you that so much. Great, that is the great bazooka. Yes. We'll see you, brother. We can't wait. Talk to you soon, man, bro. I love you, man. Thank you so the much. Best, man. I love, love you, kid. This episode of UFC Unfiltered is sponsored by VChain, official blockchain partner of UFC. As 2023 approaches its end, this is your chance to experience the ultimate fighting championship like never before with the VChain community. Don't miss your opportunity to immerse yourself in the full UFC experience during the last pay-per-view of the year, UFC 296 in Las Vegas this December. Enter for a chance to win by visiting www.vchain.com vchaingiveaway.com now vchain is just letter v letter e chain vchaingiveaway.com between october 18th and november the 24th digital technologies are the future and vchain is building their foundations with advanced blockchain technology vchain helps people companies societies unite their efforts by contributing to tackling sustainability challenges together by connecting blockchain technology with real world action vchain makes it possible to capture the value generated by data 
allowing people and businesses to be rewarded for positive environmental actions, which creates a powerful incentive mechanism for change. To learn more about VeChain, visit www.vchain.org. That's V-E-C-H-A-I-N.org. Will you follow them on X? That's the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. We call it X on this show. VeChain Official. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Exciting. Yeah, it really is. Um, And uh, yeah, we got uh, Adam Carolla in the waiting room. And I know Adam is into combat sports, and he's a boxer. Um, I don't know if he's still training or not, but I've seen him hitting the pads. He, he, Adam can really fight. Now, you've been training jiu-jitsu for a little bit. You I have. Him, you and him in cage match. Let's go. What happens? No, because he'd probably clock me coming in. I, I'm not at a point where I could get past a guy with fists like he has. Um, I'm still a pure white belt, and uh, you know I still forget shit. Like, we were rolling today. And Martin, who's the blue belt I trained with, was actually trying. And, you know, I mean, he's just throwing me off and he's, he's fast. And I'm like, I'm getting lost in my head. I'm like, wait a minute, the Kimura at the left. I mean, you know, it really is. It takes a while before it's second nature. Dude, I'm with you, man. I know what it's like, the journey. I taught two classes today, Jimmy. Two classes. I like my Mondays. I might go back later on, too. Yeah. Yeah, man, we live this. And we can bring Adam in. I'm not sure if you're waiting for us. I, we, we didn't mean to not give you a cue. You, I maybe thought we were. Yeah, I thought so too. Maybe Adam's rebooting or something. Um, yeah, so I, I, it really is weird uh, thinking of the next thing to do. Like, Hopefully that becomes automatic at some point. Um, but yeah, there's just too much thinking involved in it. I, I don't know exactly what to, uh, what to do half the time. There's Adam. What's up, hey. buddy? Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, man, good to see you. Good to see just you. Just talking about jujitsu. Are you still training boxing? I know we've talked to you before. I watched again that great video 
of you punch of you hitting pads and you're really good uh are you still training um my hands are pretty shot you know from all the not only boxing but then boxing training and then also being a carpenter for a million years i've just destroyed my hands but um i find that shadow boxing is probably the best thing you can do but nobody does it because it's no fun and it's not doesn't make a noise or anything <laughs> but we need sound to go along with our punches but the reality is is i do a lot of shadow boxing now and it's probably it's probably better for your form than pounding away on a heavy bag or even even sometimes focus gloves now now Adam, let me ask you, because we live in wacky times. There's a lot of these crazy YouTube fights that are going on now that are um, just out of the out of the norm, you know, for some YouTube stars and they're throwing on some gloves and next thing you know, they're fighting. I know you're not in your prime, but another listen, Roy Jones Jr. did it at 60. Would you at 59 put dust off those gloves with another 60-year-old, say Mr. Bean or something. I don't fucking know. I'm not, not Mr. Bean. Mr. I don't think he's trained. But I just throw, I'm just thinking of an older comedian. But would you you think you was there any amount of money they could just throw at you to have you do something crazy like that? Listen, I used to say this all the time when people would say, oh, do you ever think about going back to terrestrial radio? And I was like, if you offer me enough money, you know, I would have my mom killed. Like, <laughs> Now she's already dead, and I don't like her that much, so I kind of—it was easy the blow. But uh, yeah, you you give me uh, a whole bunch of money, and I'll get it on with Donny Osmond or uh, yes, Joey Fuko or somebody. Sure. First of all, you versus Joey Butterfuko. That would be yeah. That's oh my god, I'm a Long Island guy, so I would be like, get him, Adam. Have you met him? I've met him. He has fucking hands like gorilla myth. Joey Buttafuoco has a giant hands. So you're rooting against your friend? I'm no, I'm ask. just saying he's a bigger guy than you think he is. He's a big wristed no, man. he's a big dude. I Listen, I'm only thinking of that because I was literally talking about this subject this morning. Uh, <laughs> apropos of nothing, but it just, it just came up. I remember where I was when they tried to get me to do you know boxing with the stars or whatever was on fox like 20 years ago right yeah. and they said you can fight um china the female wrestler no you'll fight china and and i said well first off it's lose lose because if you win you beat up a woman and if yeah. you lose you got your ass kicked by a woman so yeah. That's, that's not a winning proposition. And they were going, oh, she's big. Like, she's tough and stuff. And I remember going, well, how much does she weigh? Oh, she's a 175, 180-pound woman, you know, whatever. But I was like, I'm 200 pounds, and I'm 6'2", and I know how to box. So how is this going to work? And uh, she, I ended up not doing it, but Joey <laughs> Buttafuoco did fight her. <laughs> oh, did he? Oh, yes. Yes, Jim, your hero, Joey. But <laughs> I love him. I didn't think I could love him more. I didn't think I could love him more. Hands what happened? Like, like catcher's mitts. He not only pummeled the shit out of her, but he dirty boxed too. He threw her onto the ground. I mean, he wasn't Marquis of Queensberry. He wasn't worried about <laughs> tarnishing his 
gleaming reputation. He didn't do any of it. He literally just beat the crap out of a woman. And I'm like, like I said, I'm talking about throwing her on the ground. Well, he fought dirty. Well, I mean, you know what they say, you know, you know, as a, a former boxer, Longo would always say the ring, you know, the cage, that's the truth. You can't hide who you are in there. Like, right. you, you know what I'm saying? So that kind of doesn't really surprise me that he'd be not the cleanest of fighters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's another question I have for, for comedians that know how to, to fight. Uh, let's say you're in a situation, someone's being disrespectful. Maybe you're out with your better half, whatever it is. Do you? utilize your do you use your fist of cups or do you try to use your wits and your comedy to de-escalate what do we do i'm i'm usually a de-escalator i've gotten to a, a you know a couple of street scraps and back in the day um i was always sort of trained a lot and worked at it a lot and stuff like that. So I, I was always non-plazed by it. I, I didn't get really agitated. You know, I think the, I think the thing that, you know, is it's not so much training to throw punches. It's kind of being used to being punched at a lot. You know, you kind of know the distance to stand. You yeah. kind of know most every, every guy on the street, their left hand is worthless. You know, it's that that right hand that they're always trying to load up on. Uh, by the way, but if you do get into it with someone on the street and they shoot a jab out and it snaps your head back, start running because now you're talking about somebody who can use their bad hand. And if you can use your bad hand, then you, you're doing a lot of training, yeah. you know. But uh, no, I haven't, you know, I don't, defend the honor of people real well, uh, including myself. You know, I'm pretty, pretty consistent about it. I don't have uh, honor to defend. And generally, I, I generally get left alone. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Like uh, gay guys never hit on me. Why? I don't know. I can't imagine why I would. If I, if I was gay, right. I would love to hit on you. It's a little upsetting, but it just <laughs> doesn't happen. And, you know, I meet tens of thousands of people after every single show I do, it's always a line in the lobby, meet and greet, whatever. And everyone always goes, Oh, but there's always some drunken bad apples or something. And I go, no, everyone's cool. Like I, yeah. and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the gay thing. I don't know if it's, I used to box thing, but I give off some vibe where people sort of generally leave me alone. When you know how we had a fighter, who do we have on last week, Matt, that said something really interesting about when a guy can't defend himself, he doesn't feel fulfilled. We were just talking about training and he was right. So when, when you really know how to defend yourself, like, and you're comfortable, like, you know, you can, if you're out with your wife or your kid and somebody starts something, if it comes down to it, you absolutely know you can handle yourself. Does that kind of give you the ability to want to deescalate it because you know that you have nothing to prove and there's no shock in, in this, in combat for you? Yeah, I, I think there's, you know, removes the chip from your shoulder. You know, most guys I know from the gym are always pretty, pretty mellow dudes, you know, in, in general. It kind of, uh, I think comedians and fighters are both in race car drivers. They're all really mellow out of their world because they they're in a situation where you go into the octagon, you go into the ring, you climb into a race car, you go up on stage with a microphone. And if you're 
levels already to five, you're going to go through the roof. You're just going to have a big adrenaline dump. You're not going to be effective, whether you're telling the joke or driving a race car or fighting with someone, you're just not going to be good. So I have this theory that the people who are engaged in sort of the high action sports, and it could be stand up, it could be race car driving, it could be boxing, MMA, they walk around detuned. They're, they're at a two. You know, yeah, the, yeah. the ones that are beaked up are the crazy bitches ripping down pictures of missing kids, yeah. you know, and screaming about Hamas. Like they're always walking around at like a nine and then anything sets them to an 11. Race car drivers walk around at a two. They're just always because how could you be at a nine and then get into the Indy 500? Your head would explode. Right. So the energy has to be a little bit. And it's also too. There's very few things in regular life that are as, especially if you're a fighter or a race car driver, that are as compelling as your job. There's very few things that focus you as well that require the, so everything else is just kind of a little like, it's not worth putting the energy into because you know at work, you're going to do something that most people don't do anyway. Yeah. I think you do get your yayas off at the gym, at work, on stage, in the race car, you know, and then you tend to be pretty mellow after that. And you've changed your podcast, uh, uh, the format a little bit. You're kind of back to doing what you were doing at one point, right? Like where it's more one-on-one uh, interviews. How is that? Am I correct about that? You know, I vary. I, I'll have someone in, someone who's interesting. You know, if I get Tucker Carlson in here, then we'll just do a nice long one-on-one. Or if we have a comedian who's, you know, less well-known, then we'll mix it up and, and do do more comedy and a little variety. It's, it's kind of guest by guest but i'll i'll try to shove some comedy in just about every episode and some are just full-blown comedy and the others are like this guy's a really interesting voice let's hear what he has to say how was did you, you you had tucker how was he he's a great guy he's um one of the friendliest sort of magnanimous kind of guys you know there's always a whenever the media turn someone into a cartoon character always assume there's a different person on the other side of that cartoon character and he is you know up there with probably the most misunderstood people i mean in terms of who he is and how he approaches life and how he goes through life and his family life and and that kind of stuff he's uh you've you'd be hard pressed to find friendlier people just just on a genuine sort of basic how you doing good to see you again than than a guy like uh Tucker Carlson but you know the the comedy is is on the other side you wouldn't you'd be hard pressed to find a guy who was friendlier than Brian Cranston but I'm sure Brian Cranston hates Tucker Carlson and Tucker Carlson probably hates Brian Cranston but they're really the same friendly guy yeah and it's weird too when you interview certain people how people just give you shit for talking. It's like, you know, I've gotten shit and it's like, what am I supposed to not talk to interesting people? It really is crazy how people are like, how could you talk to that? Like, like certain people just shouldn't be spoken to. It really is crazy. The reaction of the public who don't even listen to the interview half the time. Well, you say half the time. I, I don't think it's a 10th of the, I'd say 90% of the time. Yeah. I said half to be, you know, kind of uh, magnanimous, but yeah, probably 90%. Yeah, they they don't think it's a good idea. I've had people say, like, what are you talking to uh, Megyn Kelly for? Somebody like that. I'm like, these are super accomplished, well 
thought, their ideas are thought out and they're interesting people. Why wouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk to Brian Kilmeade from Fox in my podcast today. And then later on, Rob Reiner is coming on uh, the following day. And then um, Dan Aykroyd's going to be on. Like, I'll, I'll talk to, I want to hear what they all have to say. What, Shit, what could be wrong with that? I think it's amazing that he's really into those aliens that Dan Aykroyd. And by is the he? way, oh, Dan Aykroyd's a fuck straight up. He, oh, he feels that we're not alone. Oh, he's a dad of No, I think it's aliens. I'm going to say I'm 99% sure it's aliens. Do you know, Adam? Is it aliens? Uh, he's it checks aliens. out for me. Yeah, I would I would say he's into all that. And, and that no. Brian Kilmeade, I don't know if you know this, but back when the UFC wasn't, it was before it was like like regulated really and it was just in louisiana or alabama and some shit brian kilmaid uh was the one of the uh commentators yeah i do I, know that about oh, you him. do know that good because i just second guessed myself that yeah he was it is kilmaid yeah 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 so that's funny man he, i don't know if he wants to be associated with it now but um he should because it came a long way from when he, he was involved with it when i think tank abbott was in when it was more just a freak show you know I miss Tank. You missed it. I do. I miss the big miss beard. The beer belly. I miss the beer belly. I miss the, you know, fighting and cutoffs. You know, like like there was something, you know, crazy kind of wild carnival sideshow back then. You know what? The, yeah. the greatest thing I ever saw in the UFC, the early days of USC, because it, you know, we all have those moments. Yeah, yeah. This guy walked out there blonde long hair ponytail and i hate a dude with long blonde hair and a ponytail and because there was no rules back then the other guy just grabbed hold of the ponytail never let it go treat it like it was a handle on this guy's head and just kept <laughs> ramming his knee into this guy's orbital socket and i've never cheered harder for a, guy <laughs> with a ponytail that's so, that's so great yeah back in the day there was you were allowed to pull hair and uh there was a similar fight which a, a, a boxer this is not a ufc event but it was a, something similar like a one and done event james wearing this big heavyweight boxer for eric paulson who's a very skilled jikundo martial artist but for a movie role he had his hair long because he was like a stunt guy mm -hmm. he goes man was that a mistake he did the same thing he wrapped it around and just no matter he was a great martial artist but he couldn't get his fucking head free so yeah. Listen, you'd want a haircut like this if you're fighting with those rules. Or you do what the sisters do. You go with the extensions so they break away like a <laughs> lizard's tail. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, you see, they get, but that's what really pisses them off, though. <laughs> I know, yeah. but I've, I've never seen more women fighting in the street in the last. I mean, remember what a novelty would be to see two women fighting like at yeah. your junior high? I mean, that, that oh. was... That was stuff that came around like an eclipse or Haley's Comet or something. You know, once in a great while, two women would fight. Now you just turn on your Twitter and they're going at it. Airplanes, yeah, yeah. restaurants. Don't go to Target. Go to Walmart. See what happens. Right. Yeah. yeah, there's something about planes too and airports. I think traveling, traveling, so like it's a stressful thing, and it just seems like everybody has snapped, and people are like throwing fucking 
you know, they're throwing uh, like the, the, the metal barri- uh, barriers at the airport. Work. It's just, it's insane. I think the phones have something to do with it. Nobody wants to back down when they know they're being filmed. Like there's also something like that. It's humiliating to back down when you're being filmed. And when people are filming, it just, I don't know, it's fueling everything. But it just seems like the whole country has lost their fucking mind. Yeah, we have, they have. And like I said, I feel like women... You know, when you take a look at the people that are tearing down the pictures of the missing kids from Israel, 85% of them are women. Yeah. yeah. There's no, what what world does that live in? Like these are moms tearing down pictures of six-year-old kids who are abducted and young girls, and these are women doing it? That, that would have been unheard of a few years ago. And no matter what they're feeling about, like whatever's like unjust, obviously with, with the with their beef like with uh israel or whatever but they still look i mean what what does that have to do with missing women and kids and like i mean what what does that have to do with that i mean you're gonna is, is that justified for these people not to be looking for their um children and their and their loved ones it's crazy i don't know that shit's just crazy to me man I, I don't even think they have an attachment to the pictures. I, I think that it becomes like everything else. Everything is just one little stick to pile up on my side of the argument. Like they, they don't represent real children. They're just, ah, oh, this, that your side of the argument, take it down. It's, this is one for your team. I take it down. It's crazy. It's everything now is just looked at like a, a, a check, a check in my side or a check in your side. So there's no humanity to it, but yeah, fuck them. I mean, it's unfortunate. None of them are being beaten up. Uh, yes. They're all being publicly shamed, which I guess is enough. Yeah, I'm glad people are filming them and, you know, getting guys who run big law firms in New York City aren't wanting to hire them and stuff like that. That's that's fine with me, you know, and I'm not a cancel culture guy. But, you know, um, if you're if you're going to go do something that, that's despicable, then your potential boss should have the right to know about it and factor it in whatever. Uh, it is. Yeah, it's just bizarre. It's just bizarre behavior i mean no i I just i've never seen people tearing off signs of anything before like no one gives a shit what sides are up uh whether you agree or disagree with the cause and now that's become but i'll bet you if none of those people were filmed and and put out there most people wouldn't be doing it i think again the phones fuel so much of this because now it's a thing now it's a statement whereas if some jerk off took down a sign and nobody paid attention to him nobody else would do it because they wouldn't think it was going to get them anything yeah, I sort of thought the phone was going to solve a lot of this. Like, <laughs> you know, like the first time someone put a security camera into a 7-Eleven, they must have thought, well, this 7-Eleven will never <laughs> get robbed. Right. Now, there's more of it. it it's, it's crazy how much of this is, you know, in a, in a world where there's a ring doorbell on every house and there's a yeah. camera in every intersection in every city, you'd think it would have curbed this behavior. But instead, it's, right? it's supersized it, which is crazy. Yeah, how much of this shit was here before that we just didn't notice? Like, I know a lot of it has gotten much worse, but how much of it was there that we just didn't see and now we're seeing it? I mean, I assume it's always been around, but I, I, I don't think it's a case of we're just, we're just capturing it now and, and able to view it. I, I feel like, whether they were being filmed or not, there just wasn't that many fights on airplanes in the 80s. Right, yeah, of course. You know, there just wasn't. And you go, well, maybe it feels like there's more now because we're we're filming it. But 
back to women fighting. Women did not scrap. They uh. just didn't. It was very rare. And now I think there's more women throwing down than there are men just in public spaces. I see a lot of it. Yeah. What do you think it is? I mean, are we just angrier? Do you think people in general are just less? We're more. We always feel like something terrible is about to happen. Uh, is that what it is that we're all just our fuses are short? Or what do you think's happened? I've, I've always thought women are more inherently violent than men. And uh, the reason I say that is because it, if you do this little experiment, if anyone's married or, you know, been with a woman long enough, if you're in a kitchen and like your back is turned to your woman and you step back and you step on her foot, her hand will come sailing out. Pow. Like you'll get pushed hard or hit or something. They'll react. A man, if you step on his foot, is not going to throw his arm out into, into the woman. I also think that men understand that there's consequences. You, you throw a punch, you could really hurt somebody as a man. Yeah. Yeah. Women don't sort of grow up, you know, for, for guys, you have to, you grow up wrestling and scrapping with your friends from, for me, you know, age five, wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. And there's a very fine line of like, how much pressure do you apply? Like, when does it become a fight versus two friends trying to get the best of each other in a sort of playful way, you know, rough housing, rough housing. So we learn to moderate, you know, we were constantly, you know, you get your friend in a headlock, but you're not trying to choke him out. You're just trying yeah. to keep him in a headlock. So we learn to moderate all the time. Women don't have that moderation. They're, they're never testing it. Like yeah. we're testing it all, all, all the, my entire childhood was just testing it all the time. So, I think there's a few components. And I also think women get crazier as they get older, whereas guys get mellow. Guys yeah. mellow out, women go nuts. <laughs> well, uh, valid points, you know? <laughs> Thank you. And when you I mean you have guests on too, like if it's somebody political or whatever it is, and they start do you ever not want to go down the like once in a while I'll talk to somebody and they start getting into talking points. I'm like, uh like I would rather I don't even want to argue with them. Like sometimes just hearing them talk is interesting, but have you have you found that where you 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 do you sidestep things or are you more interested in hearing the information from the guest or are you more interested in kind of going back and forth? You know, I, my feeling is I I kind of leave it up to them. If if they want to start going down a path, we can go down that path. I, I normally don't like to. I'd rather just discuss other other subjects. You know, I had Neil deGrasse Tyson on last week, and he was talking about science and vaccines and stuff like that. I, I sort of disagreed with some of the stuff he was saying. So I started kind of, you know, politely pushing back on some of it without necessarily arguing. Sure. And, you know, it, it's going to happen. Um, it's not necessarily bad broadcasting if, if it does happen. But like in general, my conceit is there's people who are going to come in here who I disagree with and who I dis and who I do agree with, and we can have a nice conversation and or we can do what I did with Gavin Newsom. We can just argue for an hour. Did you argue with him for an hour? Yeah, pretty much. But he was just bringing up crazy shit, you know, so I just pushed back on his craziness. It's on the Internet. If people want to see it, it's it's enjoyable. 
So at the end of it, what happened? Like, oh, it's like, this, did you guys, when that's over, do you guys shake hands or is there, is there an uncomfortability as the, as the guy leaves? I've had both happen. Question. Yeah, we, we, it was fine in the room. It was fine after the show, but uh, that was 10 years ago and he's never been back. So oh. he's not coming back. <laughs> you know. Yeah, a lot of guys don't like someone that will go back and forth with them either. And a politician's a little bit different too because their their life is making policy that can really affect you when you live there. So your taxes are affected and your lifestyle is affected by the decisions he makes. Yeah, and also when you just, I'll, I'll let you give your opinion, but if you're just going to peddle bullshit, then I'm going to have to throw the challenge flag. Good for you. Yeah. All right, Adam, that's our show. Um, look, I, people can catch you. Are you on four or five days a week? I'm on four days a week. You can go to adamcarolla.com for live dates, stand-up, and podcasts, and all that stuff you want. Yeah, I, I, I'm such a fan. Man. I think you're, you're one of the best pure broadcasters. You're such an interesting guy. I, I just, I really enjoy listening to you. Uh, you just have a, a real great gift for broadcasting. So I'm a fan, man, and I'm really happy that you're doing still as well as you're doing. And you know, you're one of the pioneers in podcasting. And to show my age, not that I'm that old, but I'm a fan too. From back to the um, the Man Show days, I'm a fan. That was that was a fun show. Yeah. So I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm happy to still see you doing what you're doing. Well, I feel the same way about you guys. So it's a mutual admiration society. It's a love fest. Yeah, <laughs> it sure is. Adam, we'll talk to you again, man. Thanks a lot. And, uh, you know, have a great show today with Brian Kilmeade and Rob Reiner. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Okay, buddy. Take hey, care. Adam. Uh, okay. Thank you very much. We just got breaking news from our producer as our show is ending. Let's see. Uh, hold on. Uh, oh, Dana just announced it in 2024. Here's how we're going to start the pay-per-views. January at 297. There you go. Strickland versus Duplessis. Uh, that's a fucking fight. I'm dying to see. Uh, 298 in February. Volkanovski against Tapuria. And uh, ooh, this is a good fight. March 299. Uh, UFC 299. O'Malley versus Vera. They are running that back. Um, so great, great news. And uh, I guess on Wednesday, Matt, we can cover this coming weekend's card, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, uh, and I guess we should recap on when we, uh, next week we recap. We, but Prohovska against Pajeda. And uh, I'm going to tell you the fight I'm really looking forward to is Tom Aspinall against Sergey Pavlovich. That's the fight that I'm really, the co-main. I'm, I'm looking forward to all of them, especially my yeah. guys. Jimmy, yeah, of course. So much fun. What do you want to plug? Uh, I'm not going to be at the Fat Black Pussycat this week because they're doing something else with the room. But every Wednesday, uh, uh, you can catch me there. And then when we come back, we'll, uh, again, I want to congratulate Nick is Dal Nicholas Dalby on that fucking amazing win over Gabriel uh, Bonfim. And we'll talk about Almeida Lewis on Wednesday. Everything. Everything we'll talk about. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Bring that up to me because, listen, man, you get these dominant positions for a reason. He's uh he's he's kind of doing too much sport jujitsu in a sense where when we get these dominant positions, it's about bad intentions. That's what I want. Elbows coming down, bad intentions. We're gonna talk about that next. Yeah, because I also felt he was very tired because he looked like me when I'm just done. He looked tired. Almeida looked very tired on top because again, he's not used to going that distance either. So uh we will talk about it Wednesday, but I was not thrilled with that. We sure will. All Thanks right, for that video. Adam Carolla. Yes, thank you, our guests. We love them. And uh, I will send you that video later, and you let me know if it's the right one. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.
On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.